listeners. Welcome to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. Join me, your host, Alexia Gordon, as I chat with authors writing cozy, traditional, and historical mysteries. You won't find explicit sex or graphic violence. You will find intriguing authors and quality fiction. Thanks for listening. Hello, listeners. I'm Alexia Gordon, host of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I am guest host today for the Authors on the Air podcast um, here at BoucherCon 2023 in San Diego, where it is my pleasure to talk to Lisa Lane about her Tommy Jones Victorian Mysteries. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you very much, Alexia. Now, we were chatting a little bit uh, while I was you know, trying to find the right buttons to push on the computer. You are a history professor. Um, about to retire. Uh, so you tell us a little bit about your professorship. And- sure. Yes, I've been teaching for over three decades and teaching history to undergraduates. And it's been great. I particularly liked, I'm a historian of technology originally, and I particularly like teaching online. And I've been very much engaged with um, helping other professors teach online for many years. But now I am segueing into uh, being an author of historical fiction, historical mysteries in particular, because that's always been my favorite genre. Now, as a historian specializing in technology and having the word Victorian in the title of your series, can I go out on a limb and say you specialize in Victorian era technology? Yes, that would not be that would not be a limb at all. Uh, Yes, I do very much enjoy Victorian technology. I find so many commonalities between our technology focus now and the focus they had on technology then. There's so many similarities there. They were fascinated with gadgetry as, as we are. They had this, this sense that technology was going to improve everything. And we have that too. At the same time, they were very aware that technologies cause harm and that it's it's harm you don't always foresee in fact in um, my first book in murder at old saint thomas's my inspector inspector slaughter does not like technologies does not like new technologies at all he's a bookish kind of guy he's got an american sergeant who is very gung-ho about all the technologies and uh, at one point in the book the sergeant is going on and on about the new flush toilets and how wonderful they are. And Inspector Slaughter points out that they just flush into the river. How is this an improvement? So technology was argued about then, just as it is now. I, it, listening to you, it's I'm getting chills because I've heard these same arguments about um, as you said, our technology and especially about social media. Mm-hmm. And so it, it occurs to me that perhaps our concerns about social media and the way things spread, maybe the only actual difference between then and now is the speed at which they spread and maybe our sort of rosy view of how not vicious people used to be is maybe not accurate. It's not accurate at all. And I, I'm afraid that the speed thing is not quite what we think it is either, because In London, 1860s, 1870s, when my mysteries are set, mail was delivered twice a day. 
And that is, that is not counting all of the private messengers running around. And it's not counting some of the new communications and telegraphic systems and pneumatic tube systems that are being set up to make sure messages go as quickly as possible. That doesn't extend to the whole of Great Britain. But it does mean that in London, at, that things are happening very quickly, and the information spreads very fast. And you have hundreds of newspapers and magazines, many of them publish daily, some newspapers twice a day. So it may not, if we went back in a time machine, it would not seem like the instantaneous, you know, uh, universe that we live in now. But uh, it was very fast for them, and they felt it very. They felt it was fast in the same way that we feel it's fast. So even there, I would say with social media, their social media is a different kind, but their reaction to it is similar, and the speed is too much for a lot of people. So what I'm hearing is people have people now have a lot in common with people in the Victorian era, you think maybe that factors into why we relate to stories set in that period so much? Well, I hope so. <laughs> there are there are many, many uh, similarities and things that will look familiar. But I think that over time, people have gotten uh, the wrong impression of the Victorian era. And they tend to focus on things like uh, sexual repression and the fact that women were not allowed to do certain things and owning property and this sort of thing. And what's happening, I think, is people have been affected by what I would call prescriptive literature. If someone's writing a book that says that women shouldn't be doing X, Y, and Z, that means that women are doing X, Y, and Z. Otherwise, there'd be no reason for a book saying you shouldn't. And I think we get, uh, I think in a number of areas, we get the impression because we're aware of the, you know, the Mrs. Beaton's How to Take Care of Your Home or Cookery Book and all this. We're aware of that literature on some level. And we get the impression that things were very staid, that people were covering up their piano limbs, you know, so nobody saw them. And um, yes, that element was there, but it was often an expression of how the white middle class wanted things to be, not how they actually were. It sounds as how they actually were perhaps more interesting than uh, certain folks wanted far it to be. Far more interesting. And women in particular were doing far more things than than we think they were doing. And I've been throwing the, the phrase Victorian era around. What years are we yeah. talking about? With with my mysteries, the first one, Murder at Old St. Thomas's, is set in 1862. In 1862, they had a big technology exhibition, but it was not as big as the Great Exhibition of 1851, and that very much plays into the story. That one is a medical mystery, so in 1862, we're at the beginnings of anesthesia for surgery, which also plays very heavily into the story which is about the, the murder of a particularly nasty but highly skilled surgeon. Second book is the next year, is 1863. And then, and that is murder at an exhibition. And that's a year with the Royal Academy exhibition, art exhibition happening, much more an art mystery. 
And then the third one in the trilogy, Murder on the Pneumatic Railway, jumps ahead to 1870, because that was the year when they tried to establish an underground network of pneumatic tubes that were large enough to hold big mailbags and could, again, with like social media, move the stuff as quickly as possible, move the mail across town as quickly as possible, get it to the train station to get it north as quickly as possible. And so uh, that set in 1870 when this very short-lived railway <laughs> happened. Uh, it was closed. I think it was only around for, for 10 years at most before they shut it down as, as unprofitable. Now, it, it sounds like each of your uh, mysteries uh, sort of centers around a, a theme or an event or, or create an actual history. How did you decide uh, what to so base it on may not be the, the right way to say it, but you know what? What did you decide? How did you decide on the central sort of event that sets up each each? Well, the first one was easy because I'm very interested in medical history, and I had visited the um, old operating theater in Southwark in London, and had sat in that place, which was the Victorian operating theater, and I was not writing fiction at the time. I was working very hard on writing historical nonfiction. And I sat in that space on these leveled seats that looked down on the operating table. And I thought this would be a good place for a murder. And I had this image of the dead body sitting upright in the seats, having been propped there, looking down at the operating table. And I thought, who is he? And what has he done to deserve this? And then I started researching. So I already had an interest in medical history, for sure. And anesthesiology in particular. My father was an anesthesiologist um, or anesthetist, as they say in Britain. So, But the second one happened. I know this sounds really trite because writers say this all the time. Because my character wanted it. (laughs) I had a... I have a character in Murder at Old St. Thomas's. Her name is Jo Harris. She is... um, Uh, an illustrator. So art is her thing. Her father was an artist. She plays a pretty big role in murder at old St. Thomas's, but she demanded her own book. And so it had to be art centered. It automatically became art centered. And she's a fascinating character because she also happens to be a lesbian in a time when nobody really cares. Uh, Again, we get this impression of the Victorians that this was a big thing. And for most people, seeing two women on the street hanging out, two men, it was really not, unless it became a case of blackmail or politics or somebody was trying to take somebody down because it was illegal for men, um, nobody really cared. And so she, she operates in the world knowing who she is. And it's, that's really nice. And that, maybe that's one of the reasons she wanted her own book. <laughs> and then the third one came about because I discovered this pneumatic railway I'd never heard of. And I was following a historian who was researching it and he was blogging about it. And I'm just going, this is so cool. So in the third one, it was just like this whole idea that you'd have these giant fans at either end and just push air through and send big cars through to do stuff. That was just too much fun not to play with. So it's, is part of what you enjoy about uh, writing these mysteries is 
sort of maybe a little Victorian era myth busting? There, yeah, I'm afraid so. Yeah, there's a there's quite it's a teacher thing, you know. It's like here, whatever you think, it's more complicated than that. Yeah, there certainly there's there is some of that. Yeah. <laughs> now you were you were telling me earlier that um, some of your historical nonfiction uh, focused on H.G. Wells, which is interesting because the historian writing nonfiction about an author who wrote fiction. I know. And you know, that kind of didn't occur to me at the beginning because the part of his life I'm, I'm focused on and have focused on for a number of years now is the part before he wrote the time machine, the early when he wrote the time machine, which became his big hit. And then he becomes a fiction author. He's 26. And my question was, what the heck was he doing before that? The man's brilliant. And when I look back, I found out what he'd been doing is trying to become a science teacher and getting involved in the science community and writing what turned out to be, because I collected them and published them in a book, 78 articles on science teaching alone, which tell you extraordinary things about the situation of science education and how tough it was to get it going at a time when it was causing so much change and everybody needed to be into it. And I got fascinated with him because of my teaching online experience. I found out he'd been taught biology by correspondence. And I thought, my gosh, he must have gone through some of the stuff I'm going through. <laughs> uh, and I started looking stuff up. That's how I got sucked into the H.G. Wells project. That's fascinating, though, the biology correspondence course, biology online course. Uh, again, there's more things that this world that we all see is different and maybe it wasn't as different as we think. Not at all. He even had laboratory instructions. He wrote a textbook for doing it at home. So he's writing for his correspondence students, a textbook, study biology at home or at work, nice small volume that you could carry with you. And it has a full set of instructions in the back on how to set up a laboratory on your kitchen table and where to order all your supplies so that you can dissect a dogfish, a rabbit, and a frog, the three of which give you all the biological information you need, where to order supplies, the whole, the whole thing. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's a distance education laboratory biology class. I love that. Although now I'm imagining several people's uh, cats and dogs like cowering in corners when they brought out the H.G. Wells text. Cats and dogs are not on the list. It's dogfish, rabbit. <laughs> yeah, it's no cats, no cats. <laughs> now, are you still writing uh, mysteries, historical or not? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I am. I'm writing a prequel to the Tommy Jones mysteries because Tommy Jones himself is a ward of the inspector in the first and second novels. And by murder on the pneumatic railway, that's sort of his coming of age there. But he's got this very, he's, he's a kid in the first one. He's got this very difficult, deprived background. He was uh, running errands in the gas works from the time he was six or seven years old. And I had not told his story when I started Murder at All St. Thomas's. He's just the kid who lives with the inspector. So I'm writing a prequel to tell Tommy Jones's story. It's a mystery, of course. And uh, yeah, and that, that should come out. That's going to be a little while. That is still very much in the works. And I'm, I'm looking at your, your bookmark here. You also write literary fiction and historical romance. Yep. Where you find time to write 
literary fiction, mysteries, and historical romance, and historical nonfiction. I'm having, I'm retiring. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. <laughs> and are, are you still working on those other genres? Uh, yeah, I, I wrote uh, the romance, A Heart Purloined on a Dare, um, because I said, I can't write romance. Oh, you can write romance. Yeah, if you write one, I'll write one. Okay, I wrote it. But the problem was, is that as I was writing, it turned into a mystery. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's a romantic, historical, it's also Victorian mystery. And then after that, I thought, okay, I'm not going into the whole romance genre because every romance I write is obviously going to turn into a mystery. So no, we're not. We're not going there. I am, however, writing a contemporary cozy. Well, if 2004 is contemporary. Is that contemporary? Not really historical. And it's 21st century. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So uh, set in a beach town in, in California that I invented because I don't want any particular beach town being concerned about. That should come out, I hope, next year. So. Do you have a title for it? No, I'm not. I'm not. I haven't, haven't done a title I'm happy with yet, but it'll be something about Luna Beach because that's where the murder is. And um, do you have a preference? I mean, I know you write historical fiction because you're a historian. Um, do, do you, but do you have a preference for historical versus contemporary, or do you do you find that the the experience of working on the two is just so different? There's no comparison. Or? Yeah, it has been totally different. Just the idea that I can use like brand names in a contemporary cozy, and people will get it. If I use brand names in a Victorian mystery, I have to explain it, and then it's no it's no good anymore. So nobody's going to read a book and go, oh, he's drinking Bovril. He must not be feeling very well. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> so that's been fun to do with the contemporary. Um, it, it's been a good time. Well, thank you very much for taking time out uh, to come and, and chat with me about the Tommy Jones Victorian Mysteries, as well as your experiences as a history professor, uh, educating us all that uh, we're not as different from what went before as we sometimes like to think we are, <laughs> keeping us a little humble there. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Alexia. I've been looking forward to doing this for, for quite a while. I appreciate it. And um, good luck and best wishes on your upcoming retirement. I know that's a, yes. that's a milestone in any career. So Thanks very much. And thank you, listeners, uh, for tuning in. Uh, I'm Alexia Gordon, uh, host of the Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I am guest hosting today on the Authors on the Air podcast. I've been chatting with Lisa Lane, author of the Tommy Jones Victorian Mysteries. Until next time, thanks for listening. you enjoyed this episode of the cozy corner with alexia gordon i'm alexia gordon your host please support the podcast by leaving a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you listen on follow the podcast on instagram at podcast underscore cozy on facebook at the cozy corner podcast and the web at the cozy corner with alexia follow me at alexia gordon author on instagram AlexiaGordon.Writer on Facebook, and AlexiaGordon.Net on the web. Support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash author Alexia Gordon. And until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>